You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Good morning. It's good to see all of you. I'm grateful for the privilege of sharing God's Word with you this morning. Pastor Brad is away, I think, in New York, uh, officiating at a wedding. And I did offer this opportunity to Pastor Rick and Pastor Jeff and Pastor David, but they declined. <laughs> Mike Moneypenny said, well, if you get to the point where you can't remember what you wanted to say, just call Dave up here and have him sing for another half hour. <laughs> I don't think that would work too well for him, but... I am grateful for the opportunity this morning to share with you God's Word, and I ask you to uh, stand as we read from the book of John. I want to share with you this morning, if we all stand as I read uh, from John chapter 3, I want to give a little context right before the verse and after, but I want to focus on John 3.16 this morning. My message to you this morning is God's heart for world missions. Beginning with verse 14, John 3, 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You may be seated. This verse is loaded with truth and much more than meets the eye. First, I thought, well, this is, you know, a simple verse is notably the, the most famous verse in all of Christendom and probably the most memorized verse. But if you're thinking that it's a very simple verse, simple truth, you're mistaken. There's a lot in this verse. In fact, I probably can't say but a third of what I wanted to say this morning. Um, and I, I think of the old joke where this pastor was preaching and he, before he got up to preach, he got a note from his wife that said, K-I-S-S, and he thought, oh, well, that's nice. She's sending me a kiss, you know, to encourage me. So he went on preaching and went on for 45 or 50 minutes, and uh, when he finished, she said, that was not a kiss. That meant keep it short and simple, stupid. But um, I hope that maybe I can keep it within the time frame. (laughs) But uh, I won't be able to say all I want to say, but I do want to uh, share with you about what God is doing around the world and has done in the lives of people throughout the world, and also, of course, in my life, and in, I'm sure in your life too. As we look at this verse uh, 16, we see right away God. That's the thing that uh, leaps out to me as I look at this verse. And then I thought of Genesis. How does the first book in the Bible start out? In fact, the book uh, Genesis, the name itself, means beginning. We look at Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God. Uh, then it goes on to say that God created the heavens and the earth. And, and it, uh, the, word, the word I understand in Hebrew there means God spoke into existence. He just spoke and it happened. It came to pass out of no, no pre-existing matter. God 
It shows you he is all-powerful. He is the creator God. This God that we worship, the message that we have to share with the world, this God is different from all the other gods of the world. And believe me, there are many gods in the world. I had the opportunity to be a missionary in South America in a country called Suriname. Many of you are familiar with that by now, but that's where Roy and Margaret Lytle also worked. And Gail and I, my wife Gail and I, were uh, missionaries with them for a while there. But uh, there's many, many uh, nations in that one little country about the size of South Carolina. And by the way, it's on the northeast shoulder of South America between Venezuela and Brazil. But there are people there who have been brought from all over the world. There are 17 languages spoken in that one little country of of Suriname, but I worked primarily among tribal Indians back in the jungle. We had to fly 200 miles by bush plane to, into a, a little grassy airstrip that was nothing more than a cow pasture, and we landed there and, and lived in this jungle Indian village. There were 500 Indians in the village I lived in. It was called uh, Frog Rock, and uh, they were primarily trio Indians, but because of the coming of the gospel, these Indians had quit fighting, quit making war against other tribes. There were Wayana, there were Trio, there were Acudio, and Waiwai, all living in the same village, intermarrying and going to church together now because of the gospel, the message, transforming message of Jesus Christ, which we're looking at this morning, we're talking about. But it's a problem for uh, missionaries, though. When they go to other countries, they're going to encounter other names for God. And, and some people believe that these gods are maybe the same God as Jehovah God. I'm here to tell you they are not the same God. The Word of God tells us about uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Elohim, as he is called in the Hebrew, and one name. And there are other names, for instance, we're familiar with Jehovah. Uh, maybe you've heard the name Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi. Um, and Yahweh. Yahweh is an abbreviation for God, which many of the Jews felt was so holy they could not speak it. And so they just abbreviated it and then had to add some syllables to actually be able to pronounce it. But uh, many times the scribes felt so um, moved as they translated the name of God, they would actually pick a new pen to write the name of God. It was so sacred, so holy to them. But um, the God that we worship here is in, in the Old Testament um, known as, as uh, Elohim. It was translated into Greek in the New Testament, which, of course, the New Testament was written in Greek primarily, some Aramaic, but uh, the Greek word is theos or theo, and from which we get the word theology. And theo, of course, is God, and then ology is the study of, the study of God. So I could talk hours about God himself and there's been volumes and volumes of theology books written about him and, and many volumes written about uh, John 3.16. So, you know, it's impossible for me to really cover this thoroughly this morning. But um, when we went to the Indians in the jungles of South America, actually I went there uh, first with my college roommate for a summer to work there among the Indians with the missionary named Claude Levitt. And that was just maybe seven or eight years after he had first contacted these Indians. And they tried three times to kill him when he first went there. He went from Guyana, where he had been a missionary, across the river in the country of Guyana. There's three Guianas there. You used to call them that, three Guianas. It was British Guiana, Dutch Guiana, and French Guiana. And we were in the one in the middle, uh, which is now called Suriname. But he came from, from Guyana, 
where he had worked for 10 or 11 years with the YYs and, and helped bring the gospel to them, and the Bible was being translated there. So he wanted to go to the trios who were, were killers who had fought against the YYs. And he met a young man in the village, in the YY village in Guyana, whose name was Yafuma. And Yafuma, actually, his mother was a, a trio Indian because he had been kidnapped by the witch doctor and a war party from the YY tribe. Uh, years ago, they had gone and made war against the trio Indians in, across the river in Suriname. And they had killed a bunch of men and stolen their wives. Well, this witch doctor had a little boy born uh, by this trio woman, and he was carving a, a club to kill it right then. He didn't want to raise any more children. He just, he had enough, you know. He figured he could go steal all the children he wanted. But he was going to kill this little baby. But uh, the aunt stepped in, and, um, and she picked the baby up, and that was the, the right of a, the mother or her relatives could preserve the life of the, uh, this newborn child and overrule the witch doctor. Well, of course, he was really bent out of shape about that, but he had to relent. And uh, this uh, lady lifted the baby up uh, where it had dropped on a pile of banana leaves as they gave birth. They sat in a hammock, and, 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 uh, and this, this aunt of Yafama um, lifted him up, took him down the stream, and washed him off. And the missionary, in hearing this account about Yafama, said, um, wow, that's, what did you say that word was? Uh, that you did or that your aunt did for you. Anunato, that's the word I need. Jesus Christ is our lifter-upper. He's the one who lifts us up out of the dirt, out of our sins. And then he said, what did you say your aunt did for you down at stream? Ishukato, that's the word I need to talk to the people, to communicate the gospel to them, to wash their sins away. Ishukato, he is the one who lifts us up out of our sin and washes us off. So, Mr. Claude Levitt, uh, God spared his life. First time they tried to cut a tree down and fell it on him. No, first time they tried to poison him. They invited him to, to have drink and feast with them. And, and I forgot to tell you, though, the, the part that Yafama said, uh, Claude Levitt said, Yafama, I need you to go with me over there to reach this tribe of trios. Oh, I can't go over there. They're killers. They're bad people. And he said, but you are a trio. I don't remember any trio language. But he did remember some. And as he talked to his mother, he began to learn to uh, remember more. And finally, Yafama, who was a Christian because of the teaching, the gospel had been brought to the YYs and the Bible was being translated, he said, okay, I'll go with you and die. I'll go with you. We'll die, but I'll go with you. <laughs> and, and he went. But the trios accepted him like a long-lost brother when they found out who his mother was. So he was, he was in the clear. But Claude Levitt, they put poison in his drink, and they expected him to just kind of go spastic and they would club him to death and that was their way it's kind of uh, it was very wicked very mean cruel but the people were cruel and mean because they were controlled by satan but uh, claude levitt just sat around laughing and joking with them you know and they thought well when is this going to happen now we're ready to club him to death well he never never responded to that poison and they they nicknamed him ishidiwagu which means iron belly <laughs> and it, it god just preserved him he's spared his life. God preserved him. And then he went out and he gave them gifts of axes and machetes and all, just trying to win their favor. And he uh, agreed to go out into the jungle with them and help start cutting trees down for new gardens. And they tried to cut a tree down and fell it on him, make it look like an accident. But the tree went the wrong way. And these Indians knew how to cut down trees and make them go <laughs> where they wanted to. But God preserved uh, Claude Levitt's life. And so he began translating the Bible 
And after 30 years, we have... <clears throat> This is the word of God in the trio language, translated by Claude Levitt. And it says, Sedakam Pampita Kainang Atato. This is God's talking leaves for your teaching, for your training. And Claude Levitt had to, to discern a name to call God. These Indians, the trios, had never heard of God, they'd never heard of the Holy Spirit or, or Jesus. Uh, they only knew about Kolokiam and his uh, evil spirits. Uh, Kolokiam was the chief of the evil spirits, and that was their religion. We call it animism, worship of the spirits in the rocks and the trees and the water and the birds and the animals. And the jaguar and the boa constrictor and the eagle were key figures in the spirit world. And the witch doctors would go into a trance. They would take drugs and go into a trance and communicate with the with the jaguars and the eagle and the and boa constrictor and get messages for the people. But they lived every day in fear. They, they, it was not a, they were not kind spirits. They were all mean. They were bent on the destruction of the people, and they lived every day and every night in fear. And they did all kinds of crazy things to appease uh, these spirits. And they said prayers to them. They sang songs to them. They danced. They chanted and, and followed all kinds of prohibitions to try to, to please these evil spirits. But Kodokiam was a name that one of the tribes gave to the chief of the evil spirits, and then they had hundreds of other evil spirits that were subordinate to this one. And, of course, I, I, doesn't, I don't have to, um, you know, do too much explanation to make you realize that was Satan and his demons. And so uh, these Indians heard about uh, God as the missionary. He didn't know what name to use. He could have used... Um, um, Hod, which is um, God in Dutch, which the country, by the way, the country was controlled by Holland for 100 years, and their official language is Holland Dutch, but they have a talkie talkie language too, a trade language, and then, of course, right across the border uh, are, is Portuguese or Brazil, and I know the name for God in, tria, in uh, Spanish is Dios, and I think it's very similar in Portuguese, but they couldn't pronounce initial D. Um, he could have used uh, other uh, maybe biblical names, but the, the trio Indians have a different, uh, different language. I mean, it's totally different from English, Spanish, Portuguese, or Dutch, or any of these languages that we're familiar with, or Italian. It has no relationship to that. Uh, so it's, it's strange by our way of thinking. You know, it's totally backwards. For instance, if I say I want to go with you, I say, And when you translate that back into English, it says, You're going with wanting I am. So <laughs> you can imagine, it's quite complicated, the languages, to try to translate the scripture into their language. But the missionary, the Indian said, well, who is this one that you follow? What is his name? And the missionary said, God. They couldn't pronounce initial G. And, and therefore, my, my wife's name, Gail, they couldn't say Gail. They said with a K, Kail. And so they said, the missionary said, well, can you say God? And they said, no, but we can say Gong, Gong. That was the closest they could get. So the missionary said, okay. You know, since I'm the one who's in charge here, you know, and I don't speak Dutch and I don't speak Spanish or Portuguese, we'll use God. And he pronounced it Gang. And that became the word for God in the trio language. And then uh, Claude Levitt taught meaning into the word God. He taught him about Jehovah God and about his attributes and about, they actually began, he began translating Genesis 
and to give them a foundation, and then he began translating the book of John, which most missionaries do uh, very often start with the book of John. So as you can see, there's some unique problems uh, associated with going to a primitive people. Um, there's still primitive peoples around the world, and uh, uh, we, uh, I have some statistics I wanted to share with you about that, but as far as the global population, uh, as of 2021, Wycliffe Global Alliance figures said that the world, total world population was 7 billion, 9, 7.9 billion people. Now that's billion, not a, not a million, but billion with a B. And so uh, there, there's many names for God all around the world. There are many people groups, uh, many uh, tribes or tongues or languages. Um, but we look at this verse here where we see... Uh, in John 16, God so loved. Now, love, that's, that's an amazing word. That's huge. But, you know, it's interesting. We only have one word in English for love. We have to qualify it. But the Greek, Greek language has four words for love. And I know that one of them is phileo, which means family-type love. Uh, the other one is eros, which is sensual, from which we get the word erotic. And the other one, the third one, is agape. And then I've can't recall the fourth one, but uh, maybe we get some of these Greek scholars to share that with us sometime. But um, the word agape is a unique kind of love. That's God's kind of love, a supernatural love. Um, it's love that uh, loves in spite of the response that it gets. And, of course, Jesus Christ, uh, you've heard also, I thought about that uh, picture, a poster. You've seen a picture of Jesus Christ on the cross saying, I loved you this much. Uh, indicating that he loved us enough to die for us. Uh, Jesus Christ uh, loved us with this unique kind of love. It was a, an expensive kind of love, extravagant love. Uh, he loved us in that why were we yet sinners? Christ died. Um, but also, it's a very overused word in English, you know, Or I love my, my wife, or I love my husband. It's, it's an overused word. But in agape, agape is a unique kind of love. It's, it's love that God has for all the world, for all peoples. And that doesn't mean uh, just, um, you know, the physical world, the mountains and the streams and the lakes and the trees. That means ethnos or people groups. Uh, and so we see uh, that we uh, have to learn to... Uh, you know, understand how the people think of, of love. In a, among the trios, it was basically like, like in English. Uh, they said, I'll be missing you, or I'm missing you, or I, I'm wanting you, you know. Those, that was about the extent of love in their culture. And it, but anyway, uh, moving on, we see the word world. God so loved the world. As I mentioned, it's not the physical world, but the people of the world. God loves all nations and all people. And there are still unreached people groups in the world. Uh, and this course presents a lot of unique problems with trying to cross that cultural barrier and language barrier. Um, and we have uh, people here in our congregation who are involved with uh, mission groups like Transworld Radio. Uh, that means around the world, of course, reaching peoples all over the world. Transworld Radio has been used wonderfully uh, to reach uh, various peoples that are unreachable, maybe almost unreachable. 
by humans, by transportation, the remote, isolated peoples, but also peoples in cities. And peoples in areas like we call the 1040 window, there's a band around the middle part of the earth, pretty much along the equator, where uh, most of the unreached peoples of the world are. And many of them are Muslim. And of course, and to them, God's name is Allah. And when we go and start talking about the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, and Theos, uh, it comes into conflict with their belief system. And we, we have to be willing to accept that. Uh, we have to know that, uh, that there are going to be uh, difficulties, there are going to be trials, we're going to be challenged. But God has proved over and over again that he's capable of changing the hearts of people all over the world, no matter what their cultural setting, their language, their skin color, or their, uh, their belief system about the world. The trios, by the way, had a, a religion. As I said, it was called, we call it animism. It was belief in the spirits. And they had some legend about how the world was created. Uh, and it had something to do with a turtle. I don't even remember the whole story. I thought that was pretty strange that a turtle created the, the earth and the people. But they also had a story about the flood. They say that uh, there was a huge uh, rain, it rained and rained and rained for days and days, and water rose, and they all escaped by getting up on this high stone mountain. And then after a while, the rain subsided, and the waters went down, and they tied their, all, all their hammocks together and let this little old lady down, and she said, no, it's still too muddy. She put, they pulled her back up. Then they tried again later, and she said, yes, the, the ground is firm. You can come down. But the flood had destroyed everything, and they said an eagle flew over, and, um, and his feathers began to They sprouted and became trees and repopulated the earth. And they, the, they call themselves Wutoto, or Taleno is their name for trios. And they said, uh, we are the ones who repopulated the earth. In other words, uh, you know, we are the people. That's what most uh, ethnic names mean for various tribes, especially those uh, we consider primitive tribes. Uh, their name means we are the people. And so and uh, they feel that they were the ones, you know, that God spared. And they, all the world became, came from them. But uh, as I said, it does present, present some unique uh, problems and difficulties as we confront other world religions. And it did here with the trios uh, in many cases. As Claude Levitt came to, uh, to the trios there in Suriname, and that was back in 1962, I believe it was. And I was there in 69 or 70. It was actually 1970 I went there because Roy Lytle, Roy and Margaret were just going there as career missionaries. Kwamala uh, Shamutu, and that's the village where um, Yafama went with uh, Claude Levitt. And also uh, there was a witch doctor there named Peshaifa. And when I went there in 1970, I met him. And Roy had just been to that village. He had been... I met him in, in the city of Paramaribo, that's the capital city of Suriname, and I met him very briefly, him and, and Margaret, and that was my first uh, meeting with Roy, uh, and God had called him from being, well, he was in the Navy, and then he drove a Coca-Cola truck. He thought, that, well, that's going to be my career for life, and you know, I'm just a Coca-Cola man, <laughs> but God had other plans for Roy. God called him and Margaret, and they, they have spent like 40 years now working with the Wayana Indians, and, and so uh, I... I lived in that village of Kwamala Shamutu for a while. Roy just recently mentioned that because he was there preaching just um, a month or so ago. He spent a week, uh, I think almost a week in that village, and the people were very glad to see them. Many visitors, and 
and their elders needed encouragement. And they all, there's a whole new generation or two that have grown up since they first received the gospel, since the Bible was first translated into their language. And many of these young people just turning away from, from God and from the scriptures. And a lot of them are trying to follow the old ways of witchcraft, uh, partly because anthropologists come in there and start asking, you know, about all these things and trying to resurrect these old beliefs. And they want to write books, you know, and make money <laughs> and get grants. But um, also the, uh, uh, the people were quite discouraged. And so Roy had a wonderful time preaching and teaching them and counseling at Kwamalashamutu. But that's a smaller village. It was the largest village at the time when Claude Levitt came. Then they ran out of food supply and resources. They moved the village way downriver. And now that village is over 1,000 people. And they've had to send some people, some Indians, back upriver to the smaller village, but Roy then went to, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, mentioned, I said the name was Kwamalashamutu, that's the larger village. Alalapadu was the small village, and that's where Roy went first, but um, the other larger village is Kwamalashamutu. We just say Kwamala and Alala, that helps. <laughs> but also, I, I want to tell you about the witch doctor at, at Alala. Uh, when my college roommate and I went there to live for the summer and helped Mr. Claude Levitt, who was then translating the Bible every day. He was working with the Indians translating the Bible. And one of his chief interpreters or language helpers was uh, Peshaifa. Peshaifa had been a witch doctor, a strong witch doctor, in that village among the Trio Indians. And he was a, he was a feared leader. He was a great leader, but he was also feared as a powerful witch doctor. And so... Uh, he began to hear Mr. Claude Levitt talking about, uh, about God, and, uh, and this was strange talk to him, but he wanted to hear it. He was, he was curious. He was interested. And as Claude Levitt learned enough about the language to tell them who God was and what he could do to ch- transform your life and, and take away your sins and forgive you, he said to his people, uh, I want to catch Jesus in my liver. Now, among the Indians, you know, they, they don't talk about their heart that much. Sometimes they do now because they know that we think in terms of our heart and the center of our emotions. But to them, it's the liver or the stomach. For instance, if you have fear in your heart, you have a quiver in your liver or shiver in your liver. <laughs> but um, God, Peshaifa learned that God could take away the quiver or the shiver in his liver. Um, he said, I'm going to catch Jesus in my liver and he'll fix me good. See if he'll fix me good. He, and the people said, no, don't do that. Uh, the spirits, the evil spirits will kill you and we need you. Uh, and he said, no, I'm going to Catch Jesus in my liver. He threw away his charms, all of his medicine, threw it into the river. And the people says, well, you'll die. You'll die for sure. But he woke up the next morning. People said, uh, uh, you've awakened. Are you good? And he said, I'm happy. I'm a, I'm a happy one now. God has fixed me good. And so the people began to pay attention. But you'll die, they said. Just give it time. You'll die. And then they were afraid God, uh, the spirits were going to punish them also. Uh, because of him turning his back on the spirits. But none of that happened. He became very happy and began to learn aggressively uh, the word of God. And it transformed his life. And he became the, the leading elder among the trios. He became their chief. And so they respected him highly. And he was really a, quite a fellow. I enjoyed getting to, to meet him and talk to him and getting to know him. And getting to know Claude Levitt. But I want to move on. We don't have very much time. I just wanted to... Uh, He mentioned this word, uh, gave. God loved the world so much that he gave. Um, There's a, uh, well, first of all, let me say, God God moved in my parents' heart. They were 
dedicated Christians, and they had uh, missionaries in our home quite often. But my parents were willing to encourage me to go, uh, to go to any country, anywhere the Lord wanted me to go. Uh, even at the risk of my life, they knew that I might not come back, but they challenged me. They encouraged me to go. And when I was very young, I, um, I was always interested in, in American Indians, Native Americans. And I found arrowheads and spearheads and all in the fields. I grew up on a farm about 15 minutes from here. <clears throat> uh, and my parents uh, encouraged me, as I said, about world missions to, to give my life to Christ and perhaps go. And I was willing to do that, but I had to face the possibility that I might not come back, that I might, I might die. Um, but they were willing to give me up, and, and I was very thankful for that. But there was also a, a, um, a situation among the uh, primitive peoples in Papua New Guinea uh, that maybe some of you are, uh, have heard of the book called Peace Child. There was a, that was, I think the Peace Child was called Itau in their language, but these Tribes had been fighting each other for generations and killing each other and actually eating each other. They felt that they, would, uh, they, they were cannibalistic and they would take someone that they'd killed from the other tribe and, and eat their flesh because they felt it gave them power over them. And so they were living this, this wicked way of life. And, and finally, one of the chiefs said, this has got to end. We're killing ourselves. We're destroying everybody. We're destroying, destroying each other because of this retaliatory rage and getting revenge. And so he wanted to practice what they called Itau. He had a son, a young son. He took his only son, and he went to this other tribe, and he said, I want to make peace. I want to give you my son, my only son. And so the missionaries used this idea in that culture. That was a seminal truth, an example of how Jesus Christ, how God gave his only son, Jesus Christ, uh, to die for our sins, this little child, and, and they could have killed a child. As far as I recall, they did not kill the child, but they kept him and raised him. And this brought peace between those tribes, and then the missionaries came and used that as an illustration of what Jesus has done for us. And now those, those people in Papua New Guinea are strong believers in Christ. They have the Bible translated into their language uh, by Wycliffe Bible translators. And they have many churches in New Guinea. Not all of them have been reached. But I, I wanted to mention, too, when I was speaking about the world, uh, you wonder, well, how many, you know, I mentioned the languages. Uh, actually, I may not have told you. Uh, there's a total of uh, 7,378 languages in the world that we know of. 7,378. Well, how many of those languages have scripture? Well, if they, even if they had just John 3.16, that would be enough for them to know Jesus Christ, to come to uh, belief in Christ and to be transformed. However, we have the whole Word of God, and we know that it's very important, and we know that, it, that, it's, uh, that it's needed in anyone's culture uh, to know the entire scriptures. But um, there are completed Bibles in only 717 languages. 717 languages. That's, that's kind of uh, depressing. Um, but we're glad we do have that many, 717. Uh, there are New Testaments, however, in only 1,582 languages. So these various people groups or ethnos or tribes can come to know God uh, in a great way just through the New Testament. Uh, there are portions of the Bible, just portions, you know, like maybe a bit of Genesis and a bit of John, 
or maybe few verses, John 3.16 and so forth. They're just small portions translated in at least 1,196 languages. However, uh, well, the total of languages with some scripture is 3,495. So that's more encouraging, isn't it? Uh, but still compared to the fact that there are 7,378 languages. Not all of those languages really have to have a translation. Some of these people groups can speak Spanish or, or Dutch or Portuguese or Italian or some other language, and they can get the gospel that way. But people need to hear the word of God really in the language of their heart, the language that they were born speaking, you know, on their mother's knee. And so um, we, we still need uh, translations in 1,892 languages. And so you see, God has a, a burden. He has a heart for the entire world. And we are his mouthpiece. We are his feet. Um, and it talks about, you know, how beautiful are the feet of them that take this good news the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, to other people of the world. But um, Jesus was willing, God was willing to give his only son. I ask you, are you willing to give your only son, your only daughter, or your children? Are you willing to offer them to God, to send them as missionaries? Are you willing to go yourself? Um, you know, I had to struggle with that, uh, that decision. And it was, a, it was a difficult decision. I did it with tears. But... Um, God spared my life. I mean, I came close to dying several times, mostly, well, two times. I was within inches of the most deadly snake in all of Suriname, a Ferdelance, but it didn't, didn't strike me. And, and it tried to strike the Indian in front of me, and he was not a believer, and it scared him to death. He was just visibly shaken. He was trembling. And another one of the Indians that was a Christian came back with his machete and hacked the head of that snake off, and he lifted it up on the and I said, well, what, you, what kind of snake is that? He said, that's a fairly lance, the most deadly snake in all of the jungle. And they call it a two-step snake. You get bitten, you take two steps, you're dead. You couldn't get anti-venom in time. We didn't have any with us anyway. Um, but that, that Indian's name was Shangana, I recall to this day, just visibly. And, and he was not a believer. And he turned his head and walked around that snake because he feared that if he had eye contact with that snake's eyes, that the spirits would harm him through the eyes, through that snake. And so you see uh, the power that Satan holds over people like that all around the world. But now, thank God that many of these tribes, the Trios, the Wayanos, the Akudios, the Waiwais, and others in Suriname uh, have been freed. They've been set free by the gospel. As we see here, it's expressed that uh, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I challenge you, share this good news with your neighbors. Share it with your family. And also be willing uh, to go if God should call you and be willing to send your sons and your daughters. Thank you. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.